Social media marketing can feel like a hamster wheel sometimes. You always have to be on your content game and just when you think you've got it nailed down, the well is dry again. And as your business grows, the value of your time climbs and spending time on social media becomes more and more costly and sometimes less and less effective as you're spread more thin. This week, my guest is Tamika Awe, and she's talking me through how she helps niche business influencers develop an evergreen content layer, which does two key things. It cuts through the noise and it delivers the key messaging you need. Tamika's message could really help take the pressure off your social media. She's changed the way I think about social media content, and hopefully she'll bring you a new perspective too. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, take a second right now to subscribe in your player so you don't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Tamika. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Tamika Awai to this show. Tamika and I are going to be speaking all things nurture which is like super exciting. Tamika, why don't you start just by introducing who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Sure, absolutely, Bob. Uh, I am based in Canada, and I run a nurture marketing agency called Arisha Creative. We work almost exclusively with coaches and uh, teachers and thought leaders, and we help them build out nurture marketing that keeps them off of the content creation treadmill, you know, so not churning out endless content all the time. And we help them to fill their their premium programs, their coaching programs uh, in record time as a result, because Bob, as we will chat about uh, more nurture, better nurture, more strategic nurture, um, it, it does the job of closing the sale a whole lot more seamlessly. So you work, I think, a lot of the time with people who understand what nurture marketing is. So let's come back to that in a little while. So for the for the business owner who's listening to this podcast thinking, oh, okay, I want to I want to understand this digital marketing business. What's your definition of nurture marketing? How do you explain it to people who've never heard of it before? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So nurture marketing for me is the sort of process by which we really engage folks who are new to our world, so new, you know, new leads, new new folks come into our communities. And it's the process by which we help them prepare to make a buying decision. It's where we love on them, we build relationships, and ultimately we position ourselves, um, you know, where it's true, but we position position ourselves as the best uh, you know, provider to solve whatever problem they've showed up um, in our communities to have solved. And I'm quite accustomed to hearing about email list nurturing. Is your work predominantly sort of in the email space or what sort of formats and platforms are you usually operating in? Yeah, that's that's a great question as well. So email uh, nurture is certainly part of what we do, uh, but we also see nurture taking place on social media, right? We've got to, in this sort of world where we have cluttered inboxes and, you know, everyone's screaming for attention, we're looking for the way to be able to connect with folks across the platforms that they um, that they can build a relationship with us. So we'll support clients with the nurture marketing on email and social media primarily. And we do have a handful of clients who, you know, not, not in 2020, but who have 
done more of a, an in-person business. And so there, there are ways to nurture relationships through live events as well. Right. I guess the reason I'm trying, I'm asking a, a few kind of daft laddie questions, we call them in this country, <laughs> is in order that the listener can get a really clear understanding of what we're talking about. So you spoke about sort of getting off the content creation hamster wheel through nurture marketing. And I'm keen to dig into that a little bit because podcasting is a hamster wheel. Blogging is a hamster wheel. YouTube is a hamster wheel. You have to show up week after week after week after week creating content, which is fine if you love it. And frankly, I love doing this podcast. It's about much more than content creation. It's about relationship building. It's about knowledge building. And, and the podcast the listener listens to, it's like it's almost a byproduct. But for the average, very busy coach, for the very busy business owner, time is probably the biggest barrier they have. So explain to me how you rescue people from this treadmill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you're right. Like if you love these things, if you love podcasting, if you love, you know, being up on social media 24-7, if you love uh, YouTubing, any of those pieces, if it's a labor of love, you know, there there maybe isn't anything to do. But to your point, so many people are, are you know, business owners, like they're super busy and they don't actually love the process of, of content creation, or they don't love the feeling that they have to be, you know, cranking something out new every single day or week, depending on, on the platform. So what we do differently and, and sort of the, the new way to look at nurture that I like to introduce to folks is that when you get really clear about the messaging that your ideal client needs to hear, like if you know the messages they need to see here, understand if you know sort of the beliefs that they need to take on to be in a, you know, in an open position ready to, you know, to buy and, and solve whatever problem it is that they have. If you know what that messaging is, you can kind of collapse down the, the amount of content that you need to create if you center it on those themes and you can repurpose a lot, right? So you get into this place where you can be really in service of your community, but narrowing down the number of messages that are actually going out. And when you do that, you know, as a byproduct, you don't really have to be creating something new all the time. Like the folks who really love uh, content creation, you know, who love podcasting or, or, you know, having a YouTube channel, you'll notice that they are usually having like a different conversation every week or they are having content, what I kind of call popcorn content, like little bite sized you know, tips and tricks and, you know, little things that people can sort of digest, you know, each day or each week, right? That's how they can be in that place of high frequency content production. And, you know, if they love it, that's, that's fine. Instead, when we flip and we really focus on the core messaging that needs to go out from a nurture marketing perspective, uh, and we focus just on that, we realize like, we don't have to say something new every single day um, or every single week. We can actually just ensure that our ideal clients are receiving those core nurture messages that they need to receive. And then we can start to play with um, having evergreen content or having and, and repurposing content. And so, you know, the thing that our agency is, is known for is building out something I call the nurture matrix. And it's, you know, a 90 day evergreen nurture sequence that rolls across email and social media. And it is all rooted in this sort of like, what are those core messages that people need to receive over and over, you know, and the only sort of or the kind of the next question that a lot of people have, Bob, is they're like, well, you know, aren't people going to get tired of seeing 
the same messaging. And, and, you know, since we're so used to kind of prolific content creators who will um, create new content every day or every week in that high frequency, uh, the average business owner doesn't know that there's another way to do things. And they, they actually think that the only way to do it is this, like, I need an editorial calendar. I need 365 days of content. I need to be producing all these things for all these different platforms, you know, but the truth is if you're, if you laser in on what a new lead needs to receive, to, you know, be guided into the place where they're ready to make a buying decision, all they actually need are the core nurture messages that are going to take them there. So you can simplify things a whole heck of a lot if you let go of the idea that like my audience needs to receive all this, you know, all this stuff and, and really just focus on what's like the meat and potatoes. So instead of kind of the popcorn, you know, or amuse-bouche, um, you know, what is the meat and potatoes uh, messaging that an ideal client needs to receive? And, you know, we've seen some really incredible results for our agency clients um, streamlining things this way. See, this is a really nice way of looking at things. I think a lot of people are used to, as you said, the editorial calendar, they need to be creating content all the time. And I kind of think they should, but the frequency that a lot of people feel that they need to sustain, I think is a lot higher than is reasonable for most business owners. And I like your idea of looking at what does the prospect need to know? What are the core messages that you need to be sort of dropping almost like breadcrumbs that lead towards that buying decision, that, that point of conversion. If you really focus in on those breadcrumbs, actually you need to be repetitive. You need to be sort of saying the same things in lots of different ways in order for them to finally go, oh yeah, you're the guy. Because as you said, most people, they're not sitting there consuming our content all day. They get little encounters here and there. And for most content creators, those encounters are going to be different every time you're going to be talking about different things and for the potential prospect you haven't been consistent you've been consistently visible but you haven't been consistently saying the same thing again and again and really being clear on this is who i am this is what i do this is the problem i solve and this is who i'm for so i really like that when you talk about the 90 day nurture sequence is that a sequence that you repeat or that you sort of recreate or is it sort of 90 days and then okay next 90 day plan Right. That's a great question. So it, you know, it's, it's a framework more than like a, a formula that we, that we operate with. So it is a little bit different for each client kind of depending on who their audience is and also their own sort of, you know, desire or sort of affinity for content creation. But generally we do repeat it, you know, quarterly, you know, so it'll roll out three or four times a year. And it really acts for a lot of our clients as like foundational content. Because the truth is the folks that are most attracted to our work are actually really great content creators. They're, they're brilliant content creators, but they get to a place in their business where they want to perhaps channel their creativity into another direction. You know, we work with a lot of folks who have aspirations to um, author books or to take time off to become, you know, really polished speakers and deliver a TED talk or, you know, there, there could be any number of things that they want to do with their creativity. And, and so it's not that they don't want to create content, it's that they want to channel their creativity elsewhere. Um, so what's really cool is that with our 90 day sequence and when we have it rolling out on repeat sort of as a foundation, they don't have to worry about, you know, showing up like, it, you know, they don't have to get into that place of, oh my goodness, you know, we don't know what we're saying for the next month or, oh my goodness, I've got to, you know, lock myself away and, and, you know, channel all my energy 
over in, in creating content. They've got the foundational content rolling out and then, you know, they get to show up as they feel inspired to. And, and so that happens a lot, but it, it typically is repeated for a lot of our clients at least, you know, three or four times a year across social media. And then on email, it tends to be twice, like once or twice. They usually get it when they first, not when they first join a list, but if you can imagine, you know, they sign up for whatever free lead magnet or opt-in is available and they'll get whatever little intro sequence comes there. And then if they don't make an immediate decision to either get on a call or, you know, buy, you know, the initial offer or whatever the thing is, they are presented this, you know, this nurture sequence and it, you know, rolls out usually around a weekly email, usually around 12 weeks. Although again, we've got clients who might do it a little differently depending on their, their marketing calendar, but that rolls off across, across email. And then they might do it another time in the year, um, maybe just prior to whatever sort of major active enrollment campaign they have. So the frequency looks like that on email. And then on social media, um, again, you know, social is the place where, frequency does matter and you're right like they do need to receive your audience does need to receive messages every single day uh so that's the place where we will repeat it maybe three or four times and it you know it's it's to be totally transparent it's not usually the only content that rolls out but again that sort of relief of not having to um, come up with the new message every day or not to have to come up with the editorial calendar often for most business owners creates space and in that sort of white space, the creativity drops in and they're sort of like, oh, it'd be really cool to do this. Or, or maybe for the first time they realize, okay, with my core um, content rolling out or my core nurture messages rolling out, maybe I would like to host a podcast and have that be, you know, additional touch point and a way to build relationships much, you know, much like you were expressing um, that you enjoy about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think something I really like about the way you've described things and I haven't heard it quite like this before. It's a really nice framework that you have there. One of the things I love about it is everybody who knows about content marketing, so people like Gary Vaynerchuk or Chris Tucker, they, they regularly talk about you need to have a media company mindset. Gary Vaynerchuk says you need to be 80% whatever you do for money and 20% media company. And a lot of people instinctively think, well, that needs to be all me. And another set of people think, well, I just want to, I just want to delegate all of that. And neither of those really work very well because if you're doing it all yourself, you very quickly burn out, you become repetitive or you don't really get the reach and you don't grow as a business because it's time consuming. And if you accept, I've got to do this all myself all the time, as you suggested, your creativity can't grow into other more high value areas. But if you try and delegate it all, it loses all personality. It loses all integrity. And what I love about your way of doing things is it allows people to keep this foundational level of visibility that's really tactical. It's entirely congruent with that business owner. It allows them to add their own personal layer, but it's also very tactical. And I love that. Well, thank you. So what does your business actually look like? Who, who are your clients and how do they discover you? Yeah. So our clients are, you know, as I, as I mentioned um, earlier, they're mostly coaches or in the coaching space that could be health coaches, wealth coaches, you know, relationship coaches, money coaches. And if they're not coaches, they tend to have 
coaching or mentoring types of elements to their business. So they might have courses or a mastermind. I'm an example, you know, one of our clients that uh, we've worked with in for a good year or so now, she is a speech language pathologist and myofunctional therapist. And she, wow. yeah, yeah. And I, I may have said that wrong. So Hallie, if you're listening, <laughs> no my do. apologies, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but needless to say, she's in, you know, sort of the medical uh, therapy sort of space. And what she does is she actually has a course, a membership, and a mastermind community for other professionals in her same field who either want to deepen their skills in a particular area or um, have networking and um, continue ed education opportunities. And then she has the mastermind for the folks who want to actually have their own, you know, want to move from working for someone else's practice into moving their own. So there's a coaching sort of feel to it, even though she's not, you know, kind of the traditional um, coaching model. So that's, you know, that's primarily who we work with. I've been asked before, could a nurture matrix work for another business or another type of business? I would say definitely for other service-based businesses, because when we're looking at our particular way of looking at and defining core nurture messaging is really around perspective shifting. You know, we're, we're very well tuned to developing messaging that help people shift their mindset so that they can take the action, right? Usually the reason someone hasn't solved a problem um, when it's something, you know, when it's like a, an internal problem or, um, you know, a transformation type problem is it's usually their mindset is the, the biggest competition, right? They're not, it's not necessarily that they are like trying to decide which coach to hire. It's usually that they know which coach they should probably hire and they're kind of battling their, their inner, inner game a little bit and kind of psyching themselves out and not taking that next step. So that's pretty common in the coaching world. And, and so the framework was really developed for that type of client. Uh, but other service-based businesses, I think, again, could, could benefit because there are similar elements of kind of selling the intangible, right? When you're, when you're in a service capacity. Could it work for a product business? I'm not sure that, you know, it may be. I think the, I, the core framework, I think certainly could, the idea of, again, communicating kind of core messaging. Um, I don't know if our particular way of doing it would work. We haven't played with a lot of um, products to do that. I love to, I, I'm, I really have a, a soft spot myself for, for kind of um, coaching and education and, and just sort of, um, you know, self-transformational, self-transformation, personal development, all of that good stuff. So it, that's my little selfish way of being able to learn with every client, you know, every client that we work, we work with, we get kind of like a masterclass. And even though I don't know the ins and outs of uh, myofunctional therapy, there have been some things where I'm like, hey, you're, you know, I'm like sharing some of the knowledge. I'm like, you should check this person out because, you know, X, Y, Z, I get all of these really cool um, tidbits and, and factoids that I get to share. So that's who we work with. And they typically find us, it's, it's really interesting for the first two years and the agency is about two and a half years old now. And until I would say June, yeah, June, that was when we hired our first full-time content marketing specialist. We were the, like the, you know, the content marketing agency or nurture marketing agency that really didn't do any outward marketing. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is it, because we work exclusively with coaches and because, you know, if you, as you've um, so generously complimented um, me on the framework is, is quite a different way of looking at things. So what typically would happen is, uh, you know, it's kind of like we had our first couple of clients who were, you know, close contacts of mine and then referral, 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 uh, which to me is always the highest compliment, you know, for, for any work that we can do. It absolutely is. I mean, one of the things that I found intriguing with you for somebody that does what you do, you have a very small 
online footprint, really. Mm, yeah. And this will usually tell me one of two things. You're either really good at what you do or you're really bad at what you do. <laughs> That's a really great way of looking at it, too. You're, and you're totally right. Thankfully, it's the former and not the latter. <laughs> Well, I know who you know, and I know who you're working for. And so it is, it is the latter, uh, former, latter. You're good <laughs> at what you do. Thank you. <laughs> and I think what's really nice about what you bring to the mix is a lot of people, especially in the online space, they always try and shout from the top of the funnel to the bottom saying, hey, buy my thing. It doesn't really work very well. And a lot of people, especially if they're new to digital marketing, this is how they all approach things like Facebook ads is they just try and use ads to sell things rather than use ads to build reach and brand awareness. And what I love about your business is it takes the whole buyer's journey into account. There's an impulse, there's a need, and that impulse, that need becomes conscious for a moment and you think, I think I maybe need to take some action of some kind on this impulse. And maybe I want to buy a pair of shoes, maybe I want to hire a submarine, maybe I want to hire a coach. There's a buying's journey for everybody. And that's what nurture is for. Nurture is for capturing somebody's attention when they've had that impulse and nurturing that impulse over time so that when somebody's ready to buy, they fall in your direction rather than someone else's. You're the guy they know. You're the person they've fallen in love with. And nurture is really, really important. And yet you can apply it in every business. But what I like about yours is you've decided, I'm going to focus on the people who I love serving. These are my people. And not simply going out looking for anybody that's in business and saying, hey, you need to look at nurturing. This is really cool. So well done for that. Thank it's, you. Uh, it must be very tempting to sort of look all around for companies with money and say, and wave your hand like everyone else. But it doesn't, you don't need to. That's what I love. Thank you. Yeah, it, it is, you know, you know, it is pretty tempting. I've had folks, you know, as you kind of grow the agency and, and think about scaling and everything else. I have a, had a couple of um, colleagues and, you know, like, well, this would really work for, you know, XYZ industry. And I, was, and I, I just sort of I'm like, yes. And, you know, maybe one day, um, you know, this, this agency may grow beyond me and maybe I'll have another CEO and they can make that <laughs> decision. But <laughs> But for now, being the CEO, I'm like, this is this is the one place that I get to be self-serving. I, I absolutely um, and am, am in love with the coaching industry. There are certainly, as with every industry, there are some some shadow sides to it and some, you know, some things that you're kind of like, hmm, you know, is this the way we want to operate? But I love being able to um, elevate and amplify the voices of online leaders who I believe in and care about and know that they legitimately do. Um, incredible work. So, so for anyone who is sort of you know thinking, hey, yeah, yeah, let, let me let me check Arisha Creative out on social media. Please also follow you know any of the clients that we feature, and, and we do free, feature them regularly because they are incredible coaches as well. And they they are a lot of them really are because I, I know some of them, and I'm curious to know you come across as very competent and skilled, and you clearly know where you're going, but in any business owner, that's only half the picture. Where do you find you actually struggle the most? You know, and this is like the, it always feels like the, 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 that job interview question, you know, where they, they ask you like, (laughs) (laughs) can you tell me your weaknesses or whatever? I am forever the recovering perfectionist. So the place that I struggle the most truly is in, um, in growing team and, and delegating, you know, so I, I was sharing that I hired my first full-time person. And so 
she is experiencing sort of the evolved version of um, of my leadership, and I'm sure she's very grateful for that. And I'm, you know, we're building the business together in a way that I'm able to leverage her brilliance and also, you know, build that trust where I'm like, yep, yeah, you've got this. It's it's all good. Uh, but yeah, the hardest part is like not, you know, is I guess kind of limiting the agency's growth because I do care so deeply about sort of every single you know, email that is, you know, created through a nurture matrix and every, you know, social post that goes out. And, and so you can imagine that if your brain, you know, and your heart is holding um, all of that for, for your clients there, that also limits, limits the growth. So I think if I was a different type of leader, maybe a less um, of a perfectionist in, in practice, uh, you know, maybe we would have a, a much bigger um, social media following and maybe, you know, we'd have like double, triple, whatever, you know, the clients. But at this point, I am happy uh, to be the boutique agency that's growing. And, you know, we're, we're working on some things to change and uh, tighten up the way that we deliver certain things so that I can, you know, I can, I can be better supported. But yeah, I love to hold on to to all of the the little details and you know make sure they're absolutely perfect which you know we both know doesn't exist so that can be no. a fun game in itself but yeah that that would be my that's like my downsize that downside that's my little achilles heel <laughs> yeah perfectionism as a moving target you will never mm-hmm. ever hit i guess something else i'm curious to ask and this question may go somewhere bad so if it does <laughs> i'll take the question out afterwards but i'm curious to know you seem your business rather seems like it's quite linear. You sell a service. Are there any other revenue streams alongside that? Or are you planning any other revenue streams? Yeah, great question. Uh, and I think it'll I think it'll go just fine. I thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we do the Nurture Matrix as a project and it's, you know, that's kind of our, our bread and butter or our front door offer, if you will. And then we do have clients who, um, after the experience of having worked with Um, myself and the team and having, um, I think, you know, the other byproduct besides kind of walking away with having this evergreen nurture sequence and knowing how to roll it out and everything else. One of the things that my clients really love most or from that initial experience is having a, another brain, you know, a marketing brain that they really connect with who is able to pull out clearer messaging and help them to really elevate the way that they've been communicating with their audience. And so, you know, after, or even usually it's, it's the clients who, who step into the next um, way that we serve, they're usually asking after like the first month, they're like, Hey, so (laughs) can we stay together forever? How can, I would love to, I would love to talk messaging, you know, in other areas of my funnel, or, you know, I'd love to talk messaging about um, my upcoming, you know, launch or enrollment campaign or whatever. And so the other revenue stream that we have is an ongoing retainer. It's um, my marketing director on demand uh, program. And and it's kind of like what it sounds like a lot of coaches, uh, they, you know, and this isn't true for everybody, but what I tend to see is that as they're growing and they start delegating out uh, content creation and marketing, um, they often end up in a place where they have, you know, maybe a, maybe a project manager and maybe a business manager and then a bunch of, you know, marketing related contractors. So maybe a copywriter and, you know, graphic designer, all of those things, but they're usually missing a marketing director. Right. And so what I mean by that, like the business managers off mostly handling operations and, you know, sometimes they'll come in and, and kind of chime in. 
But otherwise, it ends up being, you know, the client, the coach communicating big vision marketing things to a project manager when a project manager's um, skill set is best used in kind of breaking down the tasks. Like they aren't necessarily the ones that can go from, from you know, big visionary con- um, conversation to having overall creative direction and then, and then just, you know, all the steps of what to do, right? The steps of what to do they can handle, but that kind of translating the vision into some creative direction that the entire marketing team can uh, act on is not, that's usually the gap that's missing. And so the coach will end up, you know, wearing that hat and, and, and something always gets lost in translation or they feel stifled because they're kind of telling the team what to do all the time rather than collaborating and coming up with things that are even better. Right. So once they have that experience or a version of that experience with me, as we create uh, their nurture messaging, they are sort of like, how else can we implement this? And so we'll step in and we'll support them. You know, it's kind of like an ongoing retainer. We've got clients who have, you know, been in that recurring sort of program or, or retainer for a year and a half, almost like since we started basically. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that retainer space makes a lot of sense for you because successful people will want more of whatever it was that made them successful. So yeah, that makes perfect sense yeah so we do that and then at some point you know kind of been playing with different ways like you know does the nurture matrix framework you know it could easily become a course or something like that um so i've thought about that sometimes and you know you know kind of what that would look like and i've also had the sort of thought in my head around um, potentially certifying like social media managers or um uh, other folks on on using the same process uh, as well. So who knows if that'll get birth, but that's been tossed around a couple of times as well. And you haven't been tempted working with coaches so much to think there's probably a coaching business here. <laughs> there, you know, I, I've, I've thought of it, but I know that I am not a coach. I'm very much like the consultant strategist and I'm like, you need to do it like this. <laughs> Whereas coaching is very much like help the person arrive at their own conclusions and, you know, their person, you know, they need to kind of make their own decisions. And I'm, I'm, I'm straight up. I'm like, no, no, it needs to be, you know, we can talk about it for a little while, but I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> it needs to be X, Y, and Z. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to offer a different perspective on hmm. this because what you described as somebody who helps them arrive at their own decisions, for me, that's a mentor. Uh-huh. Whereas a coach knows how to do it, knows how it should be done, can be done systematically and predictably, and says, you need to do this. So when I'm hiring a coach, I'm looking for a coach that's going to say, you need to do this and it's going to help me understand why and then hold me accountable to that. If you hire a tennis coach, why are you hiring a tennis coach? True. That is a great perspective. Thank you. So I, th- I think coaches come in different flavors and they're not all about sort of the, the gently leading you. Sometimes it's the kick up the ass that's needed. Yeah. You know what? That's a really great perspective. And it it also speaks to the, you know, kind of the coaching industry. There are so many different to your point flavors of, of coaches, which is why it's a lot of fun to play in that space. So maybe I'll, Mm. yeah, maybe I'll revisit that. Hmm. Just putting it out there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love your business. I think nurturing is something people rarely think about unless they're quite well embedded in the business. But even then it's often something that we really isolate down to thinking about email marketing but looking at it from a much broader perspective is so useful i guess what i would like to know is obviously everything comes back to vision at the end of the day when you started this business you started it 
because of why ever you started it. But your vision probably isn't the same now. I mean, I'm curious to know, where does Tamika want to see her business going in four years, five years? Where, who, does, who do you want to become? And, and where, what does what your personal brand journey look like? Because doing what you're doing is quite unique, but everybody wants things to grow. Everything, everybody wants things to be bigger. What's, what does your dream look like? Yeah, that's a really great question. I've been doing some very interesting kind of vision, visioning work and stuff like that as we mentioning kind of retooling the way that we deliver some things. And so vision, the vision and kind of values and all that piece have been a part of it. I think ultimately, and you're right, the vision when I started this agency, actually, when I started this agency, I don't even know that there was a vision because <laughs> because it was just sort of like, uh, I, I never imagined having an agency at all. That was not, It was not a thing that I thought I would do. Why did you do it? Yeah, I was working. I was actually, I was content marketing manager for a very successful coach, seven figure, you know, kind of coaching business, really well known. And I was, you know, working in kind of a contractor role and, you know, so contractors, you know, often there's a cap on, on income. So, you know, cause everyone's got a marketing budget and there's a budget, right? So I was, I was looking at the numbers and sort of saying, mm, I can't work forever for this one client. What, what else might it, and I, and I don't want to just kind of replicate this and do the same thing for other folks because I can see where my time will either get destroyed, I'll have no, and I've got a couple of kids, so I'm like, I'll either have no time for anything else, but, you know, a handful of clients. So I started to think about, like, what could I do that's that's bigger than me? Um, and I, I think when I started, I was like, you know, the income piece and then also sustainable, like, what can I do that's sustainable? Um, and then the other piece of it was that I noticed in her business, that gap that I mentioned earlier, you know, we were in that place where it was, even though I was content marketing manager, I didn't start that way. I kind of grew into that. When I started, I was kind of a content, content creator or something like that. And I identified this place of kind of, Ooh, you know, we've, we don't really, we've got a, a business manager and I'm supposed to be, you know, creating the content, but I spend a heck of a lot of time on messaging and big vision and kind of where the whole communication arc is going to go. Um, so that was an opportunity for me to really own my skills. You know, I came from corporate marketing, but like, you know, 10 years prior. And and so I had been laid off, you know, before I started in, in uh, running my own business in 2010. Um, so anyway... I sort of saw what was going on for that particular client and I was just like, I, I could see the opportunity to really help and, and support her and support myself. So I'm a very much, I'm very much about the win, win, win. So when I started the agency, it was really, the vision was, I'm going to run this thing. It's going to be a win, win, win for everybody. Um, you know, myself included, you know, away we go, what it turns into, who knows, <laughs> right? But it's just, you know, looking for that ultimate win, win, win. I think now that I've been at it for, for a couple of years, coming into year three, the vision really is to, I mean, number one, we we still are limiting ourselves with the number of coaches that we can support. And yet the coaching industry is growing day by day. I think the most recent stats I saw, it's like a $15 billion industry. There are, you know, several hundred thousand coaches just in North America alone. So, and I really, I, I do believe, you know, there, there may be some that are coming from the wrong intention and, and aren't that skilled and, you know, putting shingles out in front of their door, you know, one day and just deciding they're a coach with kind of no um, background. And there are a ton of very brilliant leaders who have the capacity to help so many people, you know, self-actualize, you know, you know, use their creativity, um, create their own businesses. Like I'm a stand for, you know, using all your gifts and, and, and monetizing them where it makes sense to do so. Like, you know, kind of 
I'm, 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 you know, sort of down with the traditional workforce, if you will. <laughs> you know, it's great for some folks, and we can kind of see in a year like this how fragile that really is. So I'm a stand for um, having, you know, the the messages and the mentorship um, that's needed to support people as we kind of, you know, change um, change the way that people work and live. Um, having those messages go out to bigger and bigger audiences. So, you know, the real vision, Bob, is to see the agency grow to a place where we can be serving and supporting. You know, right now we we maybe serve a few dozen coaches in a year. Um, I would love to be in the place where we're serving and supporting, you know, a few thousand coaches um, in a year because we know the industry is big enough. And I believe that there are that many um, coaches and mentors who are who are needed and who are valuable. So, you know, it's growth for sure over the next, you know, four years. And also I, you know, from a personal perspective, the goal is really it's it's growth, but with me really stepping into, you know, stepping away from the the perfectionist, you know, leadership and into the role um, as visionary, you know, leader in my own business. And this is the place where, you know, I'm not always a super fan of all of Gary V's, you know, methodologies, but this is the place where I, I do see, um, my agency going like, you know, today we are supporting others in streamlining content and, um, and messaging and, um, helping them to connect with their audiences in a much deeper way. And, and so that they can fill programs and all those things in a, in an effortless way. And I do think in the next, chapter there may be a a version of a media company you know like arisha creative not just helping coaches and mentors to do this within their business but also having platforms to be able to do some of that amplification and elevation of their messages ourselves you know just to step up and support that way see now that's quite an exciting vision i really like that thank you so tamika if people want to connect with you how would you like them to do that yeah we are on social and uh, that's a really great place to connect as you mentioned we're growing our social we would love to connect with more folks there so you can follow us at arisha creative on instagram and we're on facebook as well at arisha creative so that's one way just to stay in touch and if anyone is sort of curious about you know the nurture matrix and and how to start looking at their own nurture content in a much more strategic way, we just created a amazing, well, actually we didn't just create it. It's been, it's existed in our business for quite some time. It's, it's the sort of step zero for a lot of our clients um, in their journeys with us, uh, but it's a nurture opportunity scorecard. So what it is, is a, an assessment that you can, and it comes with a video to help you figure out what all these different buckets mean, but it's the assessment we use to be able to show our clients sort of what the gaps and opportunities are within their existing uh, nurture marketing. And it just sort of serves as a basis for the, our work with them. But you can get a copy of that yourself if you go to nurturematrix.com scorecard and you can download it. There's a video and it'll help you to look at both, you know, sort of the composition of your nurture marketing as well as the messaging that's, that's rolling out um, as well. So you can start to look at things just a little bit more strategic. So again, that's nurturematrix com slash scorecard and i'll put a link to that in the show notes tamika you have been an awesome guest it's been great fun and i've learned tons so i'm really grateful for that i should bring things to an end with the question that i remember now i don't think i've forgotten this question for a long time what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago yeah that's a really great question um and guess what it is 
email list building and maintenance. <laughs> You know, we don't act, we don't have a, a terribly large email list, and you know it's interesting because you could sort of argue, well, you know, your business five years ago didn't exist, and so you know what would be the point? And the point for me would really be, I am amazing at uh, building relationships, meeting new people, um, and you know have had various journeys, you know, various uh, lives as an entrepreneur. Um, but I, I, I wish that there was a through line and I wish that I had created a list, cultivated a list and, and kind of maintained relationships through email marketing because that's always for our own business. And, I, and it's why when I step in and I'm working with clients and they say to us, even super successful folks are like, ah, yeah, we haven't really been you know up and up on the email, but email marketing is so valuable. Um, even if you're changing, you know, directions, um, you know, having an email list that I just kept in touch with regularly from a personal perspective, even if it wasn't from a business perspective, I, I could see how that could be super duper valuable right now. So I wish that, you know, I, that was the one place that I practiced what I preach. And I have made peace with the, the fact that for a while I, I've sort of run the agency kind of like the cobbler um, whose kids have no shoes. Right. So yeah. <laughs> we're changing all of that now. Um, but if I could go back five years, I would do just that. But I think for anybody listening, anybody that's been listening for a long time will start to see a pattern in the answers that people give. And your answer is one of the most common. People need to l learn from that and think, OK, everybody's saying list building. So anybody listening, list building. Start today. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tamika, you've been an awesome guest. I'm really grateful for your time. It's been lovely to meet you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Bob. I had a wonderful time chatting with you, too. If your approach to social media is like a cat with its ass on fire, then maybe taking a little of Tamika's approach could really help take the pressure off. I'll be reviewing my own approach based on this and hopefully freeing up some time to focus on what it's all about. Relationships, not content. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already joined my Facebook group, you'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. You'll find me wherever you hang out. Just search for at Bob Gentle. And if you do connect, let me know. That way I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, take a second right now, and I mean right now, to leave a review on iTunes. It would mean so much to me, and it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Tamika for giving us her time this week, and most importantly, to you for listening and I will see you next week.